Lord, we give you thanks. We give you honor. We give you praise this morning. Our one consuming passion is for you to be glorified, for you to be lifted high. Lord, we don't want to see anything else. We want to see you glorified. We want to see you lifted on high. So our prayer this morning is that you would be glorified, that you would be magnified. Lord, we want to be like the Greeks who, who came to the disciples with a request and they said, we would see Jesus. We want to see Jesus. And so, Lord, today that is our desire as we have assembled in this place, as we got out of our beds this morning, as the old folks said, uh, with, with the blood running warm in our, in our veins, and you gave us the capacity to put on our own clothes, to, to feed ourselves, to, to drive to this place, to walk to this place. And so, so we would be remiss if we didn't pause to say thank you for allowing us to be here. And so our, our desire is for you to be glorified, for you to be lifted high. Be thou glorified in this place. Be thou glorified through the proclamation of your word today. And Lord, we will be careful to continue to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. We ask all of this in your matchless name. And all God's people said, all God's people said, amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you, musicians. So good to be with you this morning. Um, I am Ron Carter at Harvest Community Church. They affectionately just called me Reverend Ron. Uh, but you can call me Ron. Uh, I'm a good, dear friend of Pastor Alton's and Sister Sandra. Uh, Urban Hope is like my second home, and so um, many of you are familiar with me. Some of you are seeing me for the very first time, but uh, again, I bring you greetings from, from Harvest Community Church, where our pastor is uh, Michael L. Jones, and Pastor Mike served on the, uh, what was it, your advisory? Provisionary session. Um, and dear friend of, of the ministry. Can you guys do something for me? Can you do something for me? I said, can you do something for me? I, I, I said, this, this applies to everybody. Can you say amen? amen? Come on, it's a little too quiet in here for me. Uh, can you, come on, come on. Let's, let's say, it, say it. Talk to me. Hold on, let's start over. Uh, this is the amen corner over here. All right, let's start over here. Can you say amen? amen. All right, can we say amen here? Amen. Can we say amen over here? Because you're going to have to help me preach. See, I'm, 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 from, I'm from a different kind of, of space. i like for you to talk back to me. Okay? Can you do that? Can you talk back to the preacher today? All right, I need for you to talk back. I come from a tradition called uh, call and response, and so I need to hear from you. It's okay. You're not going to disorient me if you holler, if you shout, if you say amen. It's only going to make me preach better. Amen? All right. Well, if you have your Bibles, because I need to dive right in to what we're going to do today, and if you would meet me in the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, and it's on page 989 in your pew Bible. Matthew chapter 26. I want to direct your attention to verse 36. And then once you get it, would you stand in the presence of the Lord? We like to give honor to the, to the Lord. 
when it comes to the reading of his word. Matthew chapter 26, beginning with verse 36, and it reads, Then Jesus went with his, I'm sorry, then Jesus went with them, and as we'll see in a few minutes, the them refers to his disciples, to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and the two sons of Zebedee are James and John, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he, talking about Jesus, said to them, the disciples, my soul is very sorrowful. The NIV would translate, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow, even to the point of death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you do not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak. And as you often say, as you always do say here at Urban Hope, the grass withers, the flower fades. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. The doctrine of the incarnation is by far, in my estimation, the most astounding doctrine in Christian theology. The implications of God becoming flesh, the reality that God chose to become one with humanity absolutely astounds me. It absolutely boggles my mind that God chose to take on human flesh in order to identify with you and me. A friend of mine who had gone through seminary made this astounding statement to me that rocked my world. He said, do you not realize that had not God, had not God became human, had not God taken unto himself human flesh, it would be impossible for him to identify with us. The incarnation allows God to empathize with us, to sympathize with us, to feel what we feel, to hurt where we hurt, to agonize where we agonize. There is no other God, and I know last week Pastor Allison preached about all these different gods. There is not another God who chose to condescend, to step down out of his lofty place, to become one with humanity for the purpose of being able to identify with them. No other God did that. But that's what 
Jesus did. Jesus became man while at the same time remaining God. Now, I'm going to give you a big theological word. It's a, it's a big theological word called the hypostatic union. And that word simply means that God took on human flesh while at the same time remaining God. He's not mixed up. He's God and he's man at the same time. Now, if you can figure that out, if you can figure that mystery out, then call me and explain it to me. I take it by faith because that's what the Bible teaches, that Jesus, God, the second person of the Godhead, the second person of the Trinity, became human so that he could become one with us and ultimately die on the cross for our sins. Now, the beauty of the incarnation is that the beauty of the incarnation is that the, the incarnation has very practical application. And what that means is that God is very concerned about everything that goes on in our lives. Even the daily grind of everything that you and I go through, Jesus is not only concerned about it, Jesus can identify with it. Jesus can identify with your frustration because Jesus got frustrated. He was confronted with frustration. Jesus knows what it is like to have haters. He knows what it is like to have people. Uh, 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 he knows what it's like to, 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 be, uh, uh, to be lied on. Jesus knows what it's like for people to, be, uh, to mistreat him. He understands all of that. Today, as you see on the screen, Jesus knows, or as we'll see in a few minutes, Jesus knows what it is, what it's like to be emotionally overwhelmed. And I'm not a prophet. He is. I'm not. I'm just a Bible teacher. And I'm not a son of a prophet. But as I look in this room, I can very well bet that there's many of you in here who have struggled and are struggling right now with being emotionally overwhelmed with something that's going on in your life. Your emotions are washing over you. You're overwhelmed. You're saying to yourself, I can't take this anymore. I can't deal with this anymore. I, I, I need to get off at the next bus stop. At the next destination, I have to get off. I can't deal with this anymore. And, and truth be told, it doesn't matter if you are a Christian or a non-Christian, a preacher or a pastor or not a preacher or a pastor, we all deal with emotional moments of being overwhelmed. Can I get an amen? amen. Now, what I want to do right now is walk us through this text, and then I want to make some applications, and, and I really want to do what, what my title says. I want to give you some practical strategies or solutions based on this text of how you can cope 
when, we, when you are overwhelmed. Now, as we look back at the text, the Bible says in verse 36 that Jesus went to a place called Gethsemane. Now, Gethsemane is a garden that was located in Israel. It was an olive grove. It was a place where olives went. And Jesus went there with his disciples. And as we'll see in the text, he went there to pray. Now, before I proceed in the text, you need to understand that prior to being in Gethsemane, Jesus had the Last Supper with his disciples. Coming out of the Last Supper, what we call Passover, Jesus now is in this garden with his disciples. And then Jesus tells them, sit here. Say sit here. The tense, the verb tense here is an emphatic. Jesus didn't say sit here by suggestion. He told them, he commanded them, sit here. And sometimes he has to tell us that. If I can be just street, he said, sit yourself down. <laughs> sit yourself down. He has to tell us that sometimes we need to sit down. Jesus tells them, sit here, sit here, disciples, while I'll go over here to what? While I sit here to go over here to pray. Now keep looking at the text. And taking with him Peter, James, and John, these were the two sons of Zebedee, the Bible says he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Now, that phrase, he began to be sorrowful and troubled, is intriguing to me. The word began is a verb, and it suggests that prior to that, he wasn't troubled. That word began suggests that something triggered Jesus. Something triggered, something caused him, something caused him to start to be sorrowful and troubled. Something happened, something triggered that caused Jesus to become sorrowful and troubled. We'll find out what it is in a few minutes, but let's keep reading the text. He began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, or as I said, the, the NIV translation, my soul is overwhelmed, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Now, again, what we see from the text, if you go back up, if you guys are doing this, I'll, I'll preach from the screen. <laughs> Jesus said to his who? His who? Who were his disciples? Okay, well, you know the longer list of the disciples. These were the guys that Jesus handpicked. These are the guys that Jesus chose to be his followers. Now, the number here is 11 because Judas isn't there. 
Judas has gone to betray Jesus, and we'll deal with that in a few minutes. But as it, as it relates to this particular passage, the 11 disciples were there. And he commanded them to sit here while I go over there to pray. But then Jesus did something interesting. He selects three out of the 11 to go with him further into the garden, further to the place where he was going to pray. And the Bible says, and taking with him Peter, James, and John, he began to be sorrowful. So now the question is, what triggered Jesus? What caused Jesus to be sorrowful and troubled? And the word sorrowful and troubled has this idea that Jesus began to experience anxiety. He began to become distressed. And what we, what we see here is the humanity of Jesus on display. We see the incarnation. We see the Lord Jesus and his humanity in full blossom, full bloom. Here Jesus is, is experiencing in his humanity anxiety. In his humanity, Jesus is experiencing what it's like to be distressed. And there was something that triggered this anxiety. There was something that triggered this distress in Jesus. And when Jesus began to pray, his prayer was, Father, if it is possible, let this cup, what cup? Was it a literal drinking cup? Was it a glass of water? No. The cup that Jesus is talking about is the cup of suffering. Jesus is talking about the crucifixion. But in addition to the crucifixion, Jesus is now talking about everything that is about to take place in his life from that moment onward until he's crucified ultimately on the cross. Because right after that, right after Jesus prays, Judas arrives with the soldiers and betrays Jesus with a kiss. Then right after that, Jesus is ushered into uh, an illegal trial. You talk about being on trial for something you did not do. Well, Jesus was placed on trial. He, he endured an unjust trial before the Sanhedrin, before the high priest. Jesus wasn't guilty of anything, but he was subjected to an unjust trial. And after that, Peter denies Jesus as Jesus prophesied that he was going to do. Then after that, Jesus was delivered to Pilate where he, 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 went under, he, he underwent further scrutiny by the political power brokers. And then after that, Judas hangs himself. Then Jesus is mocked. The crowd says, we don't want Jesus. We want Barabbas. We want a traitor. We want a criminal. We don't want Jesus. Then the soldiers mock Jesus. They, they, they braid up a crown of thorns and they place them on Jesus' head. Jesus is mocked and whipped and spit in his face. He, he's slapped. He's humiliated. And then ultimately, Jesus has to bear his cross. He has to carry his cross to Golgotha where he's hung up, stripped naked, and hung on a cross. 
that's what triggered Jesus. Because Jesus realized this is what I have to endure. This is what is ahead of me. And whenever you and I struggle with issues of being emotionally overwhelmed, it's always the result of something triggering us. There's something going on in our life that triggers it. It doesn't come out of nowhere. What Jesus was confronted with didn't just come out of anywhere. Something caused him to become emotionally overwhelmed. Now, in the last few minutes I have left, because Pastor Allison told me I got to be finished by a certain time. Y'all all right? What I'd like to do is we're going to walk back through the text, but I want to give you some strategies or some ways in which you can cope with feeling overwhelmed. What, what can you do when you find yourself overwhelmed emotionally? Well, I want to submit to you is that you, you follow Jesus. You walk in Jesus' footsteps. And we're going to walk back through the text and see what Jesus did uh, and the strategies or the ways in which I see embedded in this text to walk through moments when you are overwhelmed. And it's not a matter if, if you're going to have them, it's when. Because that's a part of the human condition. We live in a fallen, sinful world. And we have to deal with stressors in our life. We have to deal as Dion said earlier, we're dealing with an economy that, 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 that we don't know where it's going to go. We're dealing with all kinds of things, and those things just kind of cause us to, 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 uh, to, it cause us to, to become very anxious and, and unsure about the future. When I walked through this text with my Sunday school class recently, and I asked them, how do you feel when, when you are overwhelmed? And the responses went like this, sometimes I feel like I'm drowning. Sometimes it feels like the walls are just caving in on me. Sometimes it feels like I want to die. Sometimes I, I feel like I want to, I want to, I'll put this back. Sometimes it feels like I just want to wave the white flag and say I give up. I can't do this anymore. I can't take it anymore. Now, I'm gonna, I'll pick on him. I've even heard your pastor even say that to me. I can't take it no more in one of our private moments. And, I, and I, that's real. I can't take it no more. I can't deal with this anymore. Now, it doesn't mean that he was ready to check out, but he was expressing what was going on in his life, and I've done that with him as well. So, so let's, let, let's talk about some of the things that you can do. Let me get my iPad to stay on. Hold on, let me slow down. Get a little ahead of myself. All right, we want to take some notes real quick. Here we go. The first thing you need to do is to admit it. This is simple. Admit it. You need to admit that you are overwhelmed. Now, as you look back in the text, Jesus, look back at verse 37. And taking with him Peter 
and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then Jesus said, say said. What does it mean to say it? It means to what? Say, and you say it verbally, right? Jesus said to his disciples, my soul is very sorrowful. Jesus admitted it to his disciples. Jesus disclosed the fact that he was feeling this way. So when you are confronted with these feelings of being overwhelmed, you need to admit it. The first person you need to admit it to is yourself. You need to tell yourself the truth that you are feeling this way. And then you need to confide in someone else. But now, there's a warning here, and I, I, this is a caution here. You can't tell any and everybody. I want you to notice who Jesus told. Jesus told his disciples. Jesus told the men who had walked with him, who had ate with him, who had done life with him, whom he had developed a level of trust with. Jesus shared this intimate detail of his life with them because they could handle it. You can't tell everybody when you are feeling overwhelmed. Because some people are not mature spiritually to handle it. Some people will start quoting scripture to you when you admit that you are overwhelmed. And they'll start saying stuff. Well, don't you realize that you are the head and not the tail? You're above only and not beneath you. Blessed going in. you blessed coming out that you are a Christian and you highly favored in the Lord. What you doing being overwhelmed because you are a Christian? And then you come away feeling worse than when you told them and you wish you had never said anything. You can't tell everybody that. Now, I, I, I told you, Pastor Alton and I, we commiserate. I don't tell everybody that. But here's, here's an important point. You need to tell somebody. You need to be able to get that off you. Because if you don't, the enemy will use that to torment you. The enemy wants you to keep that inside you. The enemy wants you to internalize that. The enemy wants you to, to go inward with that, and then the enemy will use that. He will torment you. He wants you to be isolated. He, he wants you to be connected. So he will torment you in, your, in, in the darkest moments of the night. You'll be tormented because the only person knows this is you and him. You haven't told another human being. There's something about being able to share something with another human being. You need to admit it. Jesus admitted it to his disciples. But remember, you can't admit it to any and everybody. Some people not mature enough, and some folks got bad theology. You can't share it with everybody. Now, I got to keep moving. The second thing 
that you need to understand when you are confronted with these moments where you are anxious or these moments where you are overwhelmed is that you need to accept it as normal. And what I mean by that is that, as I said earlier, we live in a fallen world. We live in a sin-cursed world. It is normal for you to have moments where you feel emotionally overwhelmed. It's not abnormal. It is a part of life. It is what we deal with. And so do not think that just because you have moments where you feel overwhelmed, that somehow something is wrong with you, that somehow that you are abnormal. No, you are not abnormal. You are human. We all go through this. And so do not beat yourself up. Do not engage in, 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 in condemning yourself into thinking that something is wrong with you because you are overwhelmed. There's nothing wrong with you. You're normal. So you need to admit it. You need to find somebody that you can confide in. Secondly, you need to accept it as being normal. There's this ebb and flow to life where we all are confronted with it. If I'm honest, if I'm honest, and I like to be honest, I have been battling with this over the last several months to where I have been just absolutely awash with being overwhelmed. You have to accept it as normal. I know it's going to happen. So not only do you need to admit it, not only do you need to accept it as being normal, you need to understand or to identify its root cause. You need to identify what's the source of these feelings of being overwhelmed. Where do they come from? As I said from the text, Jesus didn't just began to be overwhelmed out of nowhere. It came from somewhere. Something triggered Jesus' feelings of being overwhelmed. It was the cross. It was all the stuff that Jesus had to engage in uh, right after being in that garden. That triggered him. You need to figure out what has triggered you. What's causing you to be overwhelmed? Here are some common causes or sources of being overwhelmed. Money. Money issues can cause people to become overwhelmed. As Gian said earlier, because of the economy and all the uncertainties around the economy, it could be that you're overwhelmed because you got too much month at the end of the money. You paid all your bills. And you realize, man, I paid all these bills, and I still got 29 days left to go. <laughs> Finances. Another common cause of, of, of being overwhelmed are marital issues. If you thought that just because you got married, looking at that beautiful woman and that handsome dude, that you thought life was just going to be a bed of roses, and you woke up one day and you said to yourself, I can't stand him. Uh, look out, Dion. Y'all quit playing back there. I see you. <laughs> Marital issues. Marital issues because now you got to figure out how to live together. 
This is one of the things I tell folks. Don't spend all your time and all your money on the wedding and you spend zero on what's going to come after the wedding. Spend more time preparing for what's coming after the wedding than you do on the wedding. Marital issues. A third one, raising kids. There's a lot of young couples in here. I can see being overwhelmed, moms being overwhelmed with crying babies, changing diapers. This one needs to be fed. That one needs to be changed. Can't have a quiet moment to themselves. Can't find a place in the house to just have a moment to where they can hear themselves think. Try to escape to the bathroom, but the next minute, mommy, mommy. Raising kids can be stressful, being overwhelmed. One gets sick up at the middle of the night. Got to go to school. Got to go prepare lunches. Raising children can cause you to be very overwhelmed, and it doesn't stop simply because they're young. As they get older, when they start driving, when they start going to high school, when they start dating, and you're worried about whether or not they're going to get into drugs, you're worried about who their friends are, all these things just overwhelm you. Now, my wife is not here, so I can talk about her. See, my wife, my wife has a thing called Life360 app on her phone. And she sits up, you got it too, God bless your heart. Uh, but, but the beauty and the curse about Life360 is that you can sit and watch everything your children doing in the car while they're driving. You can find out where they are, how fast they drove. You can plot where they went, how long they stayed. If my son... It's speeding on the highway. My wife is yelling out, look here, look here, look here. He's driving 85. <laughs> and Sister Sandra, it causes her to be overwhelmed. Why is he over there? He said he was going here. Why is he over there? I don't have Life 360. <laughs> because I know what it would do to me. I'm not going to be, I'm going to sleep at night. But if you have young children now, you will be overwhelmed the rest of your life. <laughs> you will have moments. It doesn't matter how old they get. If they become adults, I have an adult daughter who lives in Atlanta. We still have those moments where we're overwhelmed and raising because we never cease to be mom and dad. Let me keep going on. Health-related issues. Your own health-related issues or the health-related issues of loved ones. Some of you have to care for ailing parents. It's overwhelming. Trying to be a caretaker of an ailing parent. Overwhelming. You're dealing with your own health issues, going to the doctor. I have a friend right now who just got the news that he had prostate cancer, and it's been overwhelming for him, trying to process that. It's been overwhelming for me as his friend to help him navigate that space. Overwhelming emotionally. And he's dealing with, Lord, why me? overwhelming death of a loved one here's another one adulting 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 overwhelming 
That's a great phrase, adulting, as, as, as young adults are now figuring out the challenges of paying bills, finding jobs, trying to make it work. It can be overwhelming. Can I get an amen again, adulting folks? It's overwhelming. Absolutely overwhelming. Because, because once you become an adult, it wasn't, it's not what it was all cracked up to be. See, that's another part of it. See, you want to be, you want to, man, I just can't wait. I can't wait to get out your house. I can't wait to be able to buy my own car. I can't wait not realizing that your rent comes around every month. Your car note comes around every month. You got to go buy food now. You look at that. Oh, my God. This stuff is expensive. It's overwhelming. I got to keep going. Homework. Homework, it doesn't matter if you're in elementary school, high school, college. Homework can be overwhelming. Excessive demands at work. Once you think you got it done, your, your boss put something else on your plate. You're overwhelmed at work. You're overwhelmed in ministry. You got this project going on. You got that project going on. You got to go speak here. You got to go do a funeral. You got a wedding you got to perform. You got to preach on Sunday. And thing about ministry is that Sunday comes every week. You got you to gotta get a word. You got you to gotta, you gotta pray. You got to seek the Lord. You got to like, oh, God. I'm just overwhelmed because, man, it's Thursday and I ain't even started my sermon prayer. Overwhelmed. Major life transitions. Major life transitions can be a source of being overwhelmed. But you got to be able to locate the source of where the overwhelming comes from because before that can, before there can be a diagnosis, I'm saying a prognosis, you got to diagnose it. You got to know exactly what's going on before you can address the problem. You got to know exactly what the problem is. You got to know what the source of the problem. Where is this feeling of overwhelming coming from? You got to be able to diagnose it. And in case of Jesus, it was the crucifixion. Real quick, fourthly, don't go it alone. Say, don't go it alone. Don't try to navigate being overwhelmed by yourself. Jesus wasn't by himself in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus had his disciples with him. God did not intend for you and I to do life by ourselves. God did not intend for us to be an island unto ourselves and to try to navigate the good parts of life and the bad parts of life by ourselves. God made you and me to live in community. So don't try to navigate this space by yourself. You need to be in community. You need to be in church community. You need to have some other relationships that you can lean on during those hard times. This is one of the most tragedies about the whole COVID stuff is that people, a lot of people died from just being lonely and isolated and out of community, not being able to have human touch. Jesus told his disciples, sit hear and watch not for me. Somebody find that passage. Come on. Go to the next verse, please. Uh, right here. 
You, you see this? Then Jesus said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch what? Come on, say it again. Watch what? Watch with me, not for me. Watch with me. I need you. I'm not trying to go through this by myself. I need you. Watch with me. He didn't say watch for me. I just need you to be here. I need to know I got somebody going through this with me. And you need to have some folks going through it with you. I feel sorry for you. If you're trying to navigate this space, if you're trying to navigate life alone, it is of the devil if you run around here saying, I don't need anybody. That's a lie from the devil. We need each other. We need one another. If Jesus needed them to be with him, to watch with him, how much more do we need folks to be with us as we're going through the most difficult parts of our life? Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and in some parts of the Bible it says he's sweating so much it's like drops of blood, the agony of that moment. And Jesus says, I cannot do this alone. You can't do what you're going through alone. And I'm almost done. I'm almost done. A couple of more, and I'm done. The fifth thing you need to do is surrender to God in prayer. You need to surrender what you're going through like Jesus did. Jesus went and he prayed and he said, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. You're not called to endure the crucifixion. And I'm not going to compare anything that you go through in life with the crucifixion because I believe that the crucifixion is unique in of itself. I don't even try to compare anything else. I don't try to say, well, your individual crucifixion. No, 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 no. That event is unique. That event is, is supreme. And I don't dare compare anybody, anybody's life experiences to what Jesus endured on that cross. But I will say this. You will endure some stuff. You will go through some things in life. And what Jesus did, the example of Jesus in the most, in the most agonizing moment of his life, there's nothing that you will go through in life will compare to what Jesus went through in the Garden of Gethsemane. And if Jesus prayed in that moment, how much more should we pray when we go through whatever we're going through? When you're faced with health-related issues that's causing you to be overwhelmed, you need to pray. If your finances are all jacked up, that's causing you to be all emotionally out of whack, that causes you to stay up at night, you need to seek the Lord in prayer. If your kids are, 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 are wilded out, you need to pray. If you're struggling with adulting, you need to pray. You need to seek the Lord in prayer. You need to consecrate yourself, surrender all of that to the Lord. You need to pray. You need to seek the Lord, seek his guidance, because then the Lord may give you some other directions of things you need to do in order to navigate that space. But the first place you should do, the first thing you should do is pray. 
I, 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 I cringe when I hear Christians say, well, all I can do is pray. No, that's not the only thing you can do. Prayer is the most powerful thing that you can do. Because when you pray, you are praying to the God of the universe. You're praying to the one who created the universe. You're, you're praying to the one who not only created the universe, but who sustains the universe by his powerful word. You're praying to the one who created you, who made you, who knows you intimately, who knows everything about you. And so you need to pray to him. And then the last strategy I want to give you is this. When you are confronted with being overwhelmed emotionally, I need for you to see the humanity of Jesus. I need for you to see, and I have alluded to this multiple times already, you need to see that you have a high priest who can sympathize with what you're going through. You need to understand that Jesus understands. You need to be able to pray with power and with conviction and with confidence, knowing that when you pray, Jesus understands. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted, tested in all points like as unto us, yet without sin. So he knows what it is like. We see this in the garden. So when you are experiencing being overwhelmed and you look at Jesus, that if Jesus went through it, Jesus endured it. Wow. I serve a God who understands what I am going through. You need to see the power of the incarnation. You need to see the power of God becoming man. You got to see the power of God stepping down out of glory, coming down on earth, subjecting himself to the forces and the powers of sin. You need to realize that Jesus got hungry just like you do. You need to understand that Jesus got sleepy just like you do. You need to understand that Jesus got tired just like you do. You need to understand that Jesus agonized emotionally when friends deserted him just like you do. You need to understand that Jesus dealt with the forces of sin, that Jesus stepped down into this sin-ridden world and subjected himself so that he could feel what you and I feel. The power of the incarnation. And so I'm not in any way minimizing your emotional distress, your emotional grief, your emotional trauma, but what I'm declaring to you is that God that we serve understands and he can identify with what you are going through. Now I want to end with this. I'm going to pray. If you're here this morning and you've been struggling with being overwhelmed, I want you to stand up. I'm not trying to shame you. If you've been struggling with being overwhelmed, stand up. You're just struggling being overwhelmed. You just, it's been washing over you. You ain't told nobody. You may have shared it with your spouse. You've been overwhelmed, and, and there are different reasons why you're overwhelmed. That's not important. I don't need to know. Your neighbor doesn't need to know why you've been overwhelmed. The fact of the matter is you say, I have been overwhelmed. And so I want to pray for you. 
that God, the God that we serve. And I want to challenge you to implement some of these strategies that will apply to you. Some of you need to tell somebody. You need to have a talk with somebody. You need to sit down and tell them why you're struggling, where you are. You need to tell them. And it may mean that you may need to get some professional help. I don't know. You may need to sit down and talk to a therapist. You may need to make an appointment with the pastor. I don't know. You need to tell somebody and get that stuff off you. Stop letting the devil torment you. Stop letting the devil beat you up at night. Stop letting the devil tell you that you somehow are subpar Christian because you are overwhelmed sometimes. Stretch your hands out and surrender to the Lord. Father, first of all, I want to thank you for Pastor Alvin just giving me the liberty to go a little bit over time. But right now, Father, I believe you are doing a work in this house. You're doing a work in your people. As, as I look out over the crowd, Lord, I appreciate them being honest, not with me, but being honest with you. You already, and I pray right now, Father, you already knew they have been struggling. And I pray right now, Father, that as an, because of their act of obedience, because of their, their act of faith, that, Lord, you will begin to minister to them right now, that you will meet them at their point of need, whatever it is. Lord, all of them got different sources that are triggering them into this space called being overwhelmed. But Lord, you understand. You can identify with what they're going through. And so I pray for them right now. I lift each one of them up before your throne of grace. And I ask, Lord, that you will release your power, that you will allow the Holy Spirit to begin to minister unto them, that the Holy Spirit will begin to, to shower down his grace and his mercy upon them to help them walk through this stage of life that they're in right now. Lord, remind them that you desire to be their portion. Remind them that you're just a prayer way. To remind them, Lord, that you desire for them not to try to carry this on their own, to not to try to be uh, 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 an island unto themselves, that they need to reach out to a brother or a sister in Christ or a trusted friend that they can share this with. So, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to just release this into this place this morning. And I just thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I pray, Father, that you will allow your healing power to flow and to meet them at their point of need. I thank you and I give you praise in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you. 